But you're so right, though, in terms of just trying to shift and transform, you know, a culture. Because a lot of times people will say, well, you know, what's your biggest challenge as a nonprofit? The first answer sometimes is, oh, we need more money to do more of our mission. And that is true. But what you said, Stu, I think is really critical. It really is shifting that mindset and shifting the culture. That, to me, is the, the, the greatest challenge and the most significant ones. Because I do believe once we shift that and, and, and people get there, that the money will follow. Are you looking for ways to shorten your marketing learning curve and help your organization survive and thrive? Welcome to Relish This the Purpose Marketing Podcast, a show for purpose-focused leaders who want to use marketing techniques to fuel their organization's growth. If you're a returning listener and you haven't subscribed already, we'd love to have you. Also, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Now here's your host, author and marketing specialist, Stu Swinefort. Hey, Relish This Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us today on the show. If you're looking to scale your organization and really make it grow, like talking doubling your impact over the next couple of years, there's a lot of things you need to put into play. And the first thing is engaging your audience to really take action. One of the things that is super valuable when doing that is to look at the inspire phase of the stakeholder journey and see how you can get your existing audience to re-engage to refer, to review your your organization, to really spread the word about what you're doing and all the great things you're doing with, in the world. On today's episode, I talked with Joe Sanders, and he is the CEO of Colorado Uplift. And they're a really cool organization here in the state that's helping urban youth kind of get those skills and get get some some additional support to help help them on their journey. And we talked a lot about scaling. We talked a lot about storytelling, how to how to really supercharge a, a PR campaign. I think there's a ton of great information in this episode for you. I really hope you enjoy it. I had a, had a great time talking to Joe. Here we go. For right at about four years now, uh, I was uh, in the Air Force for about 23 years prior to coming to Colorado Uplift. And um, for me, uh, just felt what I would uh, describe as a calling um, to um, work uh, with um, underserved youth. And so I uh, decided to retire from the Air Force and just look for opportunities where I can really give um, back to a community that, that I felt needed needed um, some additional support or help in any way that I could. And in the process of uh, trying to fulfill in that calling, I am um, came across Colorado Uplift and um, was, like I said, hired four years ago and I've never been more fulfilled in my life. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, because, you know, I serve an organization where we really get a chance to build long-term life-changing relationships with, with urban youth. And these are deep relationships that we're building day in and day out, um, you know, really trying to raise up the next generation of, of, of urban leaders um, for the communities that they currently live in and, and beyond. And so just to be a part of a, a mission and, and have a, a vision where we're really trying to raise up these leaders, uh, like I said, has been extremely fulfilling. Uh, and oh, that's mention, great. Yeah. Not to mention the people I get to work with. Uh, you know, I with bet. About 40 uh, full-time staff that are out, um, you know, in the schools and in the communities uh, doing the work that we do. 
which is essentially um, through these long-term relationships, um, really trying to develop character, uh, leadership, and life skills. And we do that with our in-school program as well as an after-school program uh, okay. that, that we have uh, by way of mentoring. And then a few other after-school initiatives we have as, as well uh, with our venture program and our post-secondary program. So again, just honored to be a part of the, the process. Yeah. So what's the age range that you, um, start to, uh, to, to try and influence these kids and, and how long do they typically stay in the program? Yeah. Great question. Uh, so we actually start at the elementary school, uh, uh, age, uh, group, uh, about fourth grade. Okay. Um, Cause the way the program is set up is the high school students that we work with, um, we teach them the uh, you know, the character and the leadership uh, qualities that we focus on in the classroom, uh, mentor them around those qualities. But then they, in turn, actually go to the local elementary schools and teach the very same character qualities, qualities that they're, they're learning. Oh, that's great. And so so we get a chance to work with the fourth graders and then we have a middle school uh, uh, enrichment program as well. So it's conceivable that we can work with a, uh, a student from fourth grade all the way up through high school graduation. And one of the initiatives that we we have right now is to really enhance our alumni engagement. Um, right. So we really are starting to see uh, a presence, a deliberate presence with our students um, long after they graduate from high school as well. Well, that's great. So are the alumni coming back as mentors as well? Are they more engaged as donors or what's the what, what's the engagement look like from that that really longer term perspective for you guys? Yeah, so uh, a third of our program staff right now were former students. Oh wow, cool! Yeah. That's great. So, so we do see a lot of them come back uh, as as staff members, uh, which is awesome. Um, you know, for sure, um, their way of actually paying it forward and being able to to pour back into um, their their communities, um, you know, d- directly. Uh, a lot of the other alumni we have will come back uh, on voluntary basis. Uh, you know, maybe to, to speak at an event that we, we have, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's some type of gala or a class or something like that. So those are some of the ways that we um, continue to engage with our with our uh, our alumni. That's that's fantastic. Do you, so did you grow up in, here in Colorado or are you um, are no, you from actually, elsewhere? I, I, I'm from elsewhere. So I mentioned that I spent 23 years in the Air Force. Well, my father mm-hmm. spent 22 years in the Air Force. Oh, so and you're so from all over. I am from all over. Yeah, born <laughs> in uh, Alexandria, Louisiana, but I okay. lived in California, New Hampshire, Okinawa, Japan. Uh, you know, and so I um, uh, end up settling settling here in uh, Colorado after retiring from the Air Force because my last assignment was actually at the Air Force Academy. Right. I went to school down in uh, Colorado College in the Springs. So uh, used to, I don't know that they still allow you to do this, but we used to be able to ride our bikes into the academy and uh, train there Mm -hmm. on the, on the campus. Um, And it's just a beautiful place to, uh, to be able to go ride bikes. It's such a, such a a special place there here in the Colorado Springs area. Yeah, no, and I, and I did, they do still have plenty of bike riders uh, for, oh, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, so you rode you rode bikes in college, then, huh? I did. Yeah, yeah. I was a I raced raced road bikes back in the day. I mean, this is back. Anyone who is familiar with Colorado Springs, you know, we used to actually ride up Highway 24. Um, so it has gotten vastly more crowded there. I think in the years since I left, I'm dating my myself here a little bit, but it was actually not considered completely 
insane to do that at, at, at some point in time. And, um, but, uh, that was one of the things that was really nice about, about riding in the Academy was, you know, the, there was no traffic and, mm-hmm. and it was just, you know, really amazing roads and, and, uh, and just a neat, neat place to be able to go kind of pedal around for a little while. So, yeah, um, I mean, you might, you might run into a couple wild turkeys or a deer every now and then, but outside yeah. of that, yeah, <laughs> the traffic absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, um, you guys work here in in the state in Colorado. Yeah. Is are you primarily focused on? Uh, you know, obviously it's 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 more urban um, p- kids. Yes. Is that is that correct? So Denver, yeah. Colorado Springs, kind of that that corridor, or yeah. are you working throughout the state? Yes. Yeah, so um, right now we're concentrated in Denver as well as Aurora. Okay. So you know we 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 um, this year we'll work with about twenty two. Uh, schools at the elementary, middle school, and high school levels uh, across Denver Public Schools as well as Aurora uh, Public Schools. Uh, in addition to the work we do here in Denver, though, um, there is an organization um, called uh, Elevate, um, and Elevate is an organization that re- basically replicates what we do. So Elevate, okay. Elevate USA, they they go across the nation and they stand up other um, uplifts, so to speak, but they call them elevates. And okay. right now there's a presence in about 14 cities across the nation um, that's doing exactly what we do um, at a different scale and varying scales, of course, but they have the same kind of model where they're working with uh, these, these youth uh, in, um, in school and in after school doing, providing that, that mentoring as well. Oh, that sounds great. Are they... Oops, I'm getting a little bit of an echo here. Let me uh, see what I can do about that. Oh, it went away. Uh, let me make a note of that. Sorry about that. No, you're sometimes good. We get, sometimes we get some technical challenges. No, no. Um, if I need to re-say something, let me know too, because I get it. I No, it was just all, I think it was all on my end where I think okay. we're in good shape. Um, so, so that's cool that you were able to kind of scale that program nationally through through some opportunities there with, uh, with that other organization. I, I think that's a really interesting play that we're starting to see more of where nonprofit entities are, are really looking for opportunities to partner with other nonprofit entities that have a similar focus and be able to really augment their services, um, in a way that, that they weren't able to do so, you know, kind of alone. So that's, that's really cool that you have that as, as part of your, your protocol. Are there other, are there other ways that you've looked or have had success in kind of scaling things? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, for, for us, um, you know, clearly, you know, the, the elevate model, uh, in terms of the replication model is, is definitely, uh, you know, one that we put up as a, a great, um, kind of success story, um, so to, so to speak. Um, but, but beyond that, uh, you know, we've also tried to leverage, you know, local partnerships with other organizations, uh, in order to, you know, help meet the needs of, of, um, from some of our students as well as our, our families. And so, uh, for instance, during the pandemic, um, we have partner organizations that are more, um, suited to provide supplies and food, uh, and even, um, you know, lodging for families. So we would partner with them okay. in order to help our, um, our families out. And so, again, from a scale perspective, it wasn't necessarily growing in numbers, but it was growing in the capacity to provide 
uh, and meet the, the needs of, of our of our families. Um, but when you think about scaling, one of the things we're looking to do, we actually have a strategic plan where we are looking to grow. And again, I'd be happy to talk to you about that. I won't start getting into that because it, it may be a while unless you want to go there. <laughs> we're actually looking to grow and, and scale um, by leveraging partnerships, but also by um, you know hiring more staff okay. in order to, to, to meet some of the, the, the growing demands that we're seeing in, in schools. Because right now we actually have schools and students on waiting lists to get in our programs. But until we can scale and get bigger, not just nationally, but just here, right here in, in um, mm-hmm. Denver, as well as in Aurora, uh, and even look with an eye for, you mentioned Colorado Springs and Pueblo. We know there's a need down there. Uh, mm-hmm. We have some initiatives in place uh, to, to start, you know, looking for ways to, 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 to grow and scale to meet those needs. Oh, that's great. I mean, having a plan is certainly the first step of that process. Yes. Are you... In terms of executing that plan, my guess is there are some financial concerns as well as, um, you know, uh, creating systems and, and yes. building out that infrastructure that you that you'll need to accommodate that. What yes. what's the what's the next biggest hurdle on on your list in terms of being able to kind of put some of those some of those plans into play? Yeah, no, well, you said it well, uh, you know, Stu, uh, you know, our. our our plan is essentially a four kind of a four phase model, and uh, you know you mentioned the systems and, and putting some structures in place. That was really our fortify phase. Okay, just transitioning out of, and we're moving into our, our our build phase now. And the build phase calls for us to go from working with um, thirty five hundred students, which we currently work with, to seven thousand students. Wow! And so that's really doubling um, the number of students that we're we're um, we're, we're reaching. And, you know, for us, you know, we, we believe that if we can raise the, the funds to support that in a sustained way, um, we'll be able to, to, to grow and, 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 meet, and meet that demand and, and, and achieve that, that 7,000 um, student mark. Uh, yeah, and, that's and, great. And, and by the way, our strategic plan is based off, there's a couple of things that drive it. One is the theory of transformation. Uh, we believe in this idea of critical mass and what we want to see is not just change in our students' individual lives, but we want to see transformation in communities. Mm-hmm. Community transformation is what we're after. And, you know, we're big fans of, uh, you know, the, the Greek uh, Greeks used to talk about, you know, good citizens and, and good societies and that recursive relationships. And we want to be in that uh, in that that loop of, of building good citizens that are building good societies and understand as we build these good societies, that's building good citizens. And so, uh, we believe in both individual and community transformation. But in order to reach that community transformation, we believe we have to expand the number of students and families that we're currently touching. So our, right. our plan calls for us to one day actually be working with over 24,000 okay. uh, students. Um, but our next step in this next phase is to to this build phase where we're looking to go to, to 7,000 students. And, um, you know, again, in terms of uh, you know, next steps on that. Uh, right now, we're in a process of launching a campaign uh, to to focus on that. Uh, to uh, identify also uh, specific schools that are uh, most in need of our services, and then, as I said before, the schools that we're currently at that have waiting lists. Um, trying to figure out ways that we can, um, you know, get some of these kids uh, off a waiting list. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what our focus is on on now and this at this uh, uh, point of the, the plan. 
Right. So it's, so it's really a, a fundraising campaign so that you can build awareness and then um, for, for, for more fundraising and, and also bring, bring team members on, I'm, I'm assuming um, yes. you probably, probably don't have to double your staff, but, but I'm, I'm guessing there's a pretty significant uh, staffing component yes. to this. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we're looking to add roughly about 10 more staff. Uh, okay. We can buy some, you know, uh, efficiencies um, with, with our model, but uh, we'll need to add about 10 more staff. As I mentioned before, uh, you know, we're right at about 40 staff now, um, but another 10 staff, um, you know, from on a program site would allow us to, to add, um, you know, those, those additional students. Uh, yeah, the other great. thing you brought up too, in terms of our initiative. So there's a funding piece to this. But the other thing we're really trying to uh, galvanize and, and, and really generate is uh, more of a we, we want more like a, of, a, of a social movement around this this concept. So we're looking for what we're calling community uplifters and a community uplifter is essentially uh, somebody that could be from another community. It's not from a community that we serve in necessarily, but mm-hmm. it's a person or individual that says, you know what, I align with the values and the things that you're trying to do at Colorado Uplift. And I want to be a part of that in some way. And even if they're not directly contributing to Uplift, maybe they're doing something in their community already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they want to say, we stand with you, Uplift, for the good of society. We stand with you, Uplift, for the sake of improving and enhancing the level of character and compassion in our communities. And so we're looking for Uplifters just to really be a part of a broader movement of, of raising character and compassion also yeah. across our nation, but definitely here, here, here in Colorado. And so yeah, that's sounds- another uh, initiative that we have that goes, it goes in parallel. Now the hope obviously is that some of those folks will be so moved that they will give to Colorado uplift, the sure. more uh, community uplifters we have. But at the end of the day, uh, it, you know, the preference and the, or I guess in the ultimate desire is that they're giving to their communities and giving to some community, even if it's not just financial, Right, but they're giving in a way where the character and the compassion is is is, is elevated. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like it's a kind of a cultural culture building exercise, yes. as well as an awareness exercise. Yes. Where where perhaps if you can get people to get excited about the program and and what you're what you're doing, adapt that as a as kind of a cultural um, shift that that yes. they have there in their own communities and and start talking about that yes. then you bring more people into the fold um what are, what are your strategies for or tactics for for kind of getting that the word out about about the program what are, what do you tend to um do most to to spread that spread that message out there yeah. So one of the things we did um, recently we actually had um, what we call a a, a vision event Okay. Uh, in, in a vision event, we actually did a couple weeks ago at Empower Field, uh, hosted it uh, both online and in person. Um, we had a, a number of folks show up, maybe a couple hundred folks that showed up. And that was our way of kind of initially launching that uh, and okay. sharing that opportunity with folks. Um, of course, um, you know, our website, um, you know, uh, coloradouplift.org uh, has all kinds of information about um, being a community uplifter and how you can get involved and how you can get engaged. So we've, we've leveraged our website for that purpose as well. Um, sending out emails. Um, also, um, you know, we've done newsletters in the, in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have 
uh, a couple other uh, marketing um, organizations we're working with to help get some of the things we're doing um, in, in newspapers and okay. um, in, in, in journals and that type of thing. So I'm um, trying to triangulate it as much as we can to get, get the word out, uh, you know, and so I, I, I believe that, you know, word of mouth is, is a great thing as well. Um, sure. but I, I also believe that, you know, what I've seen is once folks get it and they hear it, um, there is, there's a lot of excitement. And, and what folks realize is that much of what we're talking about, they're already doing. We just want to spotlight the goodness. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's so much goodness that's happening in our communities, uh, along with so much need. And when we can bring the need and the goodness together and spotlight that, magical things happen. Transformation starts to happen. And so, um, as you said, Stu, in fact, uh, I don't know if you have any, you know, marketing background. If you look at, we, 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 you said it so well. I'm like, man, yeah, what you said. <laughs> we need to maybe put you on contract to get you to come in. But, but you're so right, though, in terms of just trying to shift and transform you know, a culture. Because a lot of times people will say, well, you know, what's your biggest challenge as a nonprofit? The first answer sometimes is, oh, we need more money to do more of our mission. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is true. But what you said, Stu, I think is really critical. It really is shifting that mindset and shifting the culture. That to me is the, the, the greatest challenge and the most significant ones. Because I do believe once we shift that and, and, and people get there, that the money will follow um, because they'll want to support that 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 new vision. They're, they'll want to have a community where, you know, people are thriving in a community where, uh, you know, we have, you know, somebody who saw limited possibilities, but now see limitless possibilities. You know, right. communities where graduation rates go from 60 to 70 percent up to over 90 percent. They want to be in a community like that. And when they start getting excited about that and they start seeing that that's possible and, oh, by the way, seeing that they can contribute to that. That's when I start. I think we'll start seeing, um, you know, some, some real changes in our communities. Yeah, absolutely. I think that getting getting people excited and then inspiring them to share th- those um, those stories is is probably one of the one of the chief ways that that you're going to be able to um, get that word out mm-hmm. most effectively because it'll be not only so authentic that. Um, that, that people will, will have a hard time ignoring it. Um, but, uh, but also it's just, you know, um, you know, it's, it's infectious almost. It's like once people get excited and can get their arms wrapped around something positive like that, then, then it just, it just continues to spread. And I think that yes. that's, that's something that, that marketing definitely, uh, definitely can help. It sounds like you have a PR <clears throat> team working to get some, uh, placement in in uh, in newspapers and magazines and things as well. Yeah, we do some we do some outsourcing to help out with that. Um, you know, absolutely. We have a um, we've had you know some internal staff support in that area. Okay, um, but right now, um, you know, we depend heavily on um, some some outside resources and some experts in that that area to help us with okay. that. Yeah, that's great. Earned media is is incredibly powerful, and and you know one one of the things that we've found. Lately, is that it's uh, it, it does 
oftentimes take uh, some some help getting your foot in the door in terms of getting that that earned media. But but really establishing a story and being able to articulate that story effectively is kind of the first step. We um, and and you asked about marketing. I I do I am one of the co-founders of Relish Studio, which is a marketing agency here in the Denver Boulder area. Um, and one of the things that we tried early on, we we decided, oh, we need PR. Mm-hmm. And we went into that and we hired a, a PR firm. And, and unfortunately, we hadn't we hadn't really thought it through as well as we could have in that we hadn't we hadn't refined or figured out what that story was that would get uh, somebody interested in in sharing that story with their with their audience. And so really making sure that you have that figured out um, mm-hmm. as you roll out PR, because, you know, the the we help, um, you know, we, we help urban kids, uh, live better life is a great story, but it's not necessarily a compelling story for, uh, for a, a, a news agency to, to wrap their arms around. Right. And so really coming up with what, what those hooks are and what that, what that really compelling story is and tying it back to the community or, mm-hmm. um, or creating some kind of, um, you know, something that, that goes beyond just all the good work that you're doing as an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that tends to be what, what, you know, tugs at the heartstrings and really makes a story, um, have legs. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, as much as you can tell those individual stories where you make the kids, the hero mm-hmm. of that, I, I think that, that, that might be an angle to, to consider where you have the ability to do that. Obviously you're, you're dealing with, with minors and whatnot. So that may be a little bit of a challenge, but perhaps, you know, leveraging some of these graduates and some of these people who've been through the program and, um, and staying in touch with them and really getting a good feel for where, where your organization was able to help them on their journey, um, would be a good way to, to engage when you're trying to get some earned media. Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, great, great input and insight. You know, and we, you know, like I mentioned, the vision event, you know, we had, uh, uh, you know, of course, our alumni speaking there and, and we, you know, have students that come in and speak at um, mm-hmm. events as well. Uh, but being able to kind of take it to the level that you're talking about definitely makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, appreciate yeah. that. What's your email list? I mean, you mentioned you you send out a newsletter and and you have the ability to send out uh, other emails to to your list. How what's that list look like? Is it how do you know how many people are are on it? Yeah, um, there's probably a couple thousand folks um, okay. that will send um, you know information out to. A lot of that's based on our our kind of our donor uh, base mm-hmm. as well as board members that we typically send information out to. Yeah. Now yeah. getting, you know, getting information out to our alumni is a space where we're moving into getting more intentional about that Good. Um, as well. But, but yeah, I'd, I'd say a, um, there's probably a couple thousand folks that we um, w- would send a newsletter out if we were sending a newsletter out. Okay. That's great. I mean, a, a list that uh, with a couple thousand people on it can be, you know, really, really valuable. One of the things that we've been doing um, with clients as well as internally lately is, um, 
is trying to be very specific about the things that we're doing in our email. Mm -hmm. So instead of necessarily just sending out a newsletter, which is a little bit of a choose your own adventure kind of deal, they typically look like newsletters. They typically um, get ignored like one might expect a newsletter to, to get ignored right. a little bit. Um, just creating the opportunity to tell one story and and have one ask, um, and, and leveraging your email list as a, as a communication device mm. that can create a back and forth. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times we think of marketing as we like to think of marketing, I guess, as, as a, as a relationship building. And when, when you're just standing on a soapbox and, you know, up there shouting, about all the great things that you do or have done or can do or would like to do if you just had a little more money. Mm -hmm. um, it That turns into kind of a one-way conversation. Right. And and if you think about relationships, I'm sure you've had friends or, or acquaintances, I guess they might not be friends <laughs> in the past that, that, uh, that did, you know, didn't really converse with you. They didn't have a, a two-way relationship. They just, you know, wanted to spout off all the time. Mm -hmm. Those tended not be the strongest uh, relationships that right. can be built. And so really providing that opportunity to just even ask a question um, mm -hmm. about, you know, how, um, you know, how you're, how are you living um, the, how are you living the, the Colorado uplift culture in your daily life and just ask a question and get some back and forth. And, and that then creates a relationship. That's um, good. And, uh, and so focusing emails on, you know, on one specific story, or even, you know, even if you are, I mean, we're coming t toward the, you know, this donation season, although I think this is, this show will actually air after, uh, after the first of the year. But, you know, at any point during the year, when you're asking for money, for example, um, you know, really make it just about that so that people mm -hmm. know what the purpose of that, of that exchange is. Um, and they can, you know, they can choose to ignore that or, or not, but ultimately you've, you've narrowed it down to a single choice as opposed to, um, you know, here are nine things that, that might interest you and, you know, have at it. Um, yeah. so that, that tends to be something that, that we've seen work really well for nonprofits. Oh, that's really good. Thank you. My pleasure. How, how often are you, are you emailing your, your, your list, do you think? Um, you know, it's it's kind of like we got various levels. Uh, you know, so if the the board members on that list are probably getting more regular emails, mm -hmm. I would say they're you know probably uh, every six weeks to two months they have we have a touch point with with them. Okay, uh, on that list, um, the broader list maybe a, a kind of a quarterly. Uh, okay, uh, type type uh, touch point with them. Um, and then, you know, then we have the, the more generic invitations to events and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. the list. And then of course we have the tailored invitations as well. Um, so I, I would say just depending on who the person is on the list, anywhere from, you know, a handful of times a, a year, you know, up to, uh, you know, 12 times uh, a year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing a good job with segmenting the list as well, which is which is great. Where you're you're have you know telling different stories or or having different engagements or interactions with um, with different segments of that list. So that's yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, some of the things that and, and you've mentioned a lot about going back to your 
to your graduates and, and, um, you know, this is what we call kind of the inspire phase of the, of the stakeholder journey mm. where you have an opportunity to, to re-engage that audience, to get mm -hmm. them to do something else as well as to get them to share your story. And, and so, you know, creating an opportunity for them to be able to share their story either you know, on social media, encouraging them to do that, or just providing them with avenues where they can start to tell people about their experience with your organization. Um, you know, that, that list that, you know, those two, 2000 people who at some point have raised their hands and said, Hey, I like this organization. I, I want to help. Um, you know, they're always, always ways to get them re-engaged to escalate their engagement. So turn a one-time donor into a monthly donor. Um, you know, if you ask somebody for 200 bucks, um, you know, a lot of people are that they don't have 200 bucks that they can just fork over today. But if you ask them for 20 bucks a month, right. Um, you know, a lot of people can say, yeah, you know, I can give up a couple of, couple of six packs of beer or, or, you know, a trip to the movies or whatever it is that they, they would normally spend uh, $20 on. And if you can get them to do that month over month, you actually just made 240 bucks. Right. So creating those opportunities and giving people, you know, when you, when you do provide options, giving them options for engagement, um, like that, that can be, uh, you know, a, a way to, to escalate, um, the way that they're interacting with your, your organization. Yeah, no, that's really good. Love it. Do you, do you have a hard time I mean, it sounds like you have a waiting list. So there's a, there's good awareness either through the schools or through individuals. What's the, what's the typical way that people become familiar with, with Colorado Uplift? Yeah. So the, the primary means is, is through the, the presence of our staff in the schools and the students themselves. Uh, you know, our, our teacher mentors are actually at the schools they're the teacher record for the uh, classes that they teach. Uh, so they're in, uh, you know, a lot of the staff meetings that they're, they have there, they're on campus there. So they're interacting with students often. Um, they're in the hallways um, with students. So there's direct uh, interaction that our staff is having uh, with students as well as with the, the administrators. So, uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, perfect examples over at George Washington High School. Mm-hmm. We added another class um, at the principal's request. Um, okay. She understands the program. And, you know, we were doing two classes over there. And right now, um, one of the classes, it was, it is, and it was uh, the biggest class they offer at George Washington High School, high school with 41 students. And we had a second class with 40 students. And wow. she said, well, you know, can we do a, a third class? So we added a third class with 35 students and we still have 30 students waiting to get in. Wow. Uh, so in that case, it was students, you know, telling other students it's the presence of our of our of our staff there. But it's also the administrators or the staff um, at the schools recognizing what we do. And mm -hmm. so, um, the principal said, hey, we, we'd love to have you all um, do more. Um, we, and we have the similar things that have, have happened, similar things have happened at other schools, uh, you know, at, at West, you know, we're at high school there. And um, they asked us to uh, be a part of their advisory group, which meant that we were actually uh, teaching classes on, you know, resilience and, um, you know, some other character traits and um, character qualities okay. uh, for students. 
in a more expanded way. But that was the administration coming to us, asking us if we can engage. So I guess the, the short answer to your question is in terms of how students uh, hear about us and get into the program, it happens you know, primarily through our the presence of our, our, our staff being there, the interface that they're already having with not just our current students, but other students outside the program, uh, and then administrators recommending our program and advocating um, for students to, to participate and sign up. That's really cool. Um, so are these elective classes? How does the, how does the program work? Yeah, okay. so that's, that's exactly what it is. So, uh, you know, a student would sign up for uh, Colorado Uplift uh, as an elective, and it goes on our transcript uh, that way. Okay. So instead of an art class, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, they would, they will, they, they'll take this class. In fact, uh, we just launched this past year in Gateway High School over in Aurora, and I ran into a, 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 a lady uh, a few months ago. It was like right at the beginning of school, and she was telling me about how her son somehow she felt like he mistakenly, he thought he had mistakenly got signed up for uplift and he actually wanted an art class. Okay. And he told her, he goes, well, mom, because I'm going to have to go get this because I don't know what this class is about. So he actually just got into the class and didn't know about it. Well, he showed up to class and fell in love with the class. So she told me that he, he, uh, he told her that there's no way I'm getting out of this class. He said, um, <laughs> That's awesome. I don't like art anymore. But after he went to class one day, he's like, no, because I'm going to stay in this class. So he went in by accident, you know, thinking, <laughs> you know, changing and getting get into his art class. So now he's, he's taking uplift as an elective instead. So anyway, but the other point, the, the point is that, yes, yeah, it's, it's an elective um, that goes in our transcript. And then at the middle school level, it's a, uh, it's an elective as well. Um, most of the middle schools though, we treat it more like as an enrichment program. Mm-hmm. For them, and then at the elementary schools, of course, it's just a class that they get uh, a couple times a week when we take gotcha. our school students there. Gotcha. And do you have? So you mentioned there were some after-school programs as well. Do do you have to have been um, part of the the class to to participate in the after after-school programs, or do those then also kind of enable you to to reach more kids? Yeah. Um, so yeah, great, great question. So no, you do not. Uh, you know, we have our. Our core group of uh, students that participate in our after-school programs, many of them are in our classes, and it's just kind of a natural extension of the relationship mm-hmm. that we have and that we built with them in the class. But there are uh, a, a number of students who um, are not able to take the class because they, you know, can't fit in a transcript, or they maybe they've taken took the class their freshman year right, and right. don't have space or need to retake the class their sophomore year. So. There's a lot of variables like that where we definitely allow students, um, you know, to, to be a part of the pro- after-school program, even if they're not taking the, the in-school class. Yeah, that's great. I was just trying to think of ways to expand, enable you to expand the program without having to necessarily scale staff just by providing, uh, you know, materials or resources outside of that classroom. So, you know, essentially thinking about that culture expansion, mm-hmm. um, you know, just providing opportunities for people to engage and get, you know, get kind of steeped in your methodology or your, your mission um, if they weren't able to actually access the class. And I don't know if your, if your curriculum would have allow that or not, but, um, but, you know, in terms of reaching your mission or expanding that mission, um, you know, that might be way, that might be a way to drive those numbers up to actually make a, a, a significant impact, um, or positive effect on, 
on more kids, um, as well as create that ability to tell that story to uh, solicit more fun, more funding from from donors, um, where you know you're uh, you're establishing and demonstrating your not only desire to but ability to um, you know, to reach even more kids. And if if you just had a little more support, you know, think of, think about all the great things that you could do. Um, yeah. So I don't you know I don't know if that fits in with your model or not, but um, but oh, certainly yeah. that might be something to consider. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, this past summer, you know, we had about 400 students um, that went through our venture program, for instance, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. a class-based program. It was just an adventure program where we took kids uh, up to the mountains. Um, They did, you know, camping trips. They did, you know, seven day trail um, trips. Oh, wow. (laughs) They went uh, uh, fishing and then we had, uh, we had boxing. I mean, there was a variety of activities that yeah, to your point, that weren't necessarily tied to a class, but these were a program, a program that they can get involved and mm-hmm. involved in. Uh, and then with our mentoring, the after-school mentoring, you know, for us, you know, everything is about their, their development. And right. the idea is create, you know, structures of challenge, support, and accountability in the context of a relationship. That's how we believe that all of us grow, really. Yeah. And so we leverage these activities to, in order to get at that. And to your point, we can def- definitely do that outside of the classroom. In fact, I'd say some of the most meaningful growth and development we see in our students is outside of the classroom context. So very consistent there. Uh, the other thing that I think, too, that bolsters what you're getting at is, you know, the way we track our students. We used to just look at the number of students we work with. One mm-hmm. of the things we're able to do now with our Salesforce um platform is we're actually able to look at the number of interactions we have with, with students. Okay, great. And, and just a number of interactions, the level of interactions. And so by that, what we mean is that, uh, you know, last year we know we had over 127 thousand interactions with students. And then we can take that, 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 that number and break that down and say, okay, some of these students were in class students where we were seeing them, you know, almost every day. Right. That's, that, that's a level one, uh, you know, uh, type of, of, of interaction. And so that's kind of the highest level we're seeing the students on a regular, regular basis. But we also know that there are some students that only show up for our programs in the after school. So they may be like at the, at the second level, but we still are tracking that interaction. And then we have mm-hmm. a third level uh, where it's not as frequent. So it actually we have a system in place, um, is my point, to track that type of interaction that goes beyond just you know, your person being in, in the classroom. And mm-hmm. we can also start tying in, um, you know, the, uh, the not just uh, the, the static, here's how many interactions we have. We can also start tying in targets of how do we want to, you know, improve? How do we want to enhance that number of interactions? Or how do we take a student from a level two to get them to a level one? Or if they're yeah. level three, let's get them to a level two. So it allows us to be a little bit more intentional with the interactions is, is, is the point I'm getting at. And clearly, um, a lot of those are going to occur outside of the classroom. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Tracking and measurement is, is one of those pieces that's not very much fun um, in, in one's, uh, one's, you know, organization. It's, it just feels like, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to do. And, it, yeah. and you're like, ah, I really want to go be doing this other thing. But when you have that data and you can leverage it to, um, you know, to really help bolster the storytelling. Um, so, you know, if you can demonstrate how, how much of a, a positive impact you have on 
on those kids who, who do make it to level one over level two or level two over level three. And then obviously level three over, over nothing. Um, you know, though, those become really great ways to get people to get engaged. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you're, when you're trying to get people engaged, you're giving them opportunities to, um, you know, to be engaged on a variety of different levels. So, um, you know, some people may be able to, they may have more, more time than they have, um, you know, disposable income to, to help with the program. And, and so just getting them to share, um, why they think the program is, is great with their networks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's a valuable, um, mechanism by which you can, you can get people in, involved who otherwise might feel like they aren't able to, to help. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, leveraging the power of, of, you know, matching donations. I know a lot of, a lot of businesses out there will do employee, you know, they'll do matches on, on employee, um, either volunteer time or, um, or, or donations. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. trying to figure out all of those little ways where you can, you can, you know, get people, give people the, the ability to, to help, um, right. and, and join your, join the culture and, and, and the community. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and, and, you know, to your point about how it's not fun tracking and all the time, but, you know, that really was back to what we were saying earlier about this, the systems and processes in that fortify phase. You know, part of the reason why we're just launching into our build phase is because we, we felt like we had to build, you know, an infrastructure and to support the eventual growth. So now that we have something like that in place, as we expand, as we grow, as we scale, we actually have a way to track that um, that scaling and that growth, and also yeah. be very intentional with that growth. Uh, so that, to me, is is, is uh, one example of how we've postured ourselves um, to, to to scale. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure that you learned a lot with your time in the Air Force in terms of of building systems. Um, so it's it's really cool to see how you're applying that to the to the nonprofit space at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that too, because I it, it's it's so interesting because so much of my career in the Air Force, you're right. You know, we spent a lot of time thinking, you know, systems thinking and 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 really planning and, and strategies and contingencies and concepts of operation and you know, um, you know operational plans. And so a lot of time in that, and and. Little did I know <laughs> that I would be applying that to a, in a nonprofit space because, uh, you know, if you would have asked me a few years before I, you know, um, felt called to retire, I mean, I, I would have told you that I was going to spend another 20 years in the Air Force right. a few years before that. But, um, you know, clearly um, God had other plans for my life. And I'm just, again, happy and, and honored to be a, a part of this process and whatever I can do to apply you know, some of the things maybe that I learned in the military was relevant. I'm definitely going to try to continue to do that. Right. Do you have other ways for people to get involved in terms of, of volunteering or, or, uh, you know, what are, what are some of the other ways that people can, can help spread yeah. the word? Yeah. So I, like I mentioned the um, community uplifters and one of the things mm-hmm. that comes with that, you know, at the, at the, at one end, like I said, you can just say, Hey, I, I support color uplift. I, I stand with you. You can go online now. You can just sign up and say, I'm a community uplifter. But the other thing is with the community uplifters, we also uh, offer up opportunities um, throughout the year for folks to volunteer and get involved. So if you say, I want to be a community uplifter and I want to get involved with uplift, 
we have uh, an annual uh, uh, voluntary event where we actually go and um, do a half day of service in the schools in the, na- uh, in the neighborhoods that we serve in. Mm-hmm. And so this, uh, you know, consists of planting gardens and you know, painting murals and, um, you know, cleaning up, um, you know, rooms and, and the space and parking lots around many of the schools that, that we serve in. A lot of these schools don't have, uh, you know, uh, huge budgets. <laughs> and right, so, right, right, right. Uh, you know, these principals are very grateful um, when we come in, uh, you know, just for a half a day. Uh, you know, we've had uh, just a couple of these events, but, you know, one year, I think we had about 400 folks this uh, past year. We had a few hundred folks, but, you know, we get quite a bit of work done uh, in, in a half a day. And so we plan to continue to do that. So that's one way to plug in and sign up to be a part of our, our big lift event. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way for folks to get involved, um, we typically have like a back to school kind of a backpack drive. Okay. Um, for our, for our, our, our students. And so that's a way to, to get engaged if you want to help us um, purchase or even stuff backpacks. Uh, another way to get involved um, during the holiday season that we're, you know, um, I know when this airs, it might be after the holiday season, but there's definitely opportunities um, uh, to provide meals and help sponsor and support families, um, you know, as, as, as well. And so those are some of the ways that uh, we've seen folks um, sign up or, or get, get, get directly involved with what we're doing. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we have, uh, one of the things I didn't talk about yet is an advanced leadership program that where we actually, uh, allow our students to get, uh, or our students get college credits in addition to high school credits for the class. They, there's a class that we offer up where they get college credits, uh, awarded by CU Denver. And it's a course that focuses in on uh, organizational leadership. Okay. With that in mind, we're oftentimes inviting speakers and trying to set up panels for our students. Um, so folks that want to come in and kind of share a little bit about their industry and what they're doing and about the opportunities, uh, you know, career opportunities. Um, we're always looking for folks to sign up to, to do that. So those are the kinds of ways that we've recently gotten folks in, involved. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, it gives you all these different touch points and ways to allow people to share their expertise and, um, you know, and maybe, maybe inspire people to, to do some things that they didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. Um, do, how do you, so, so are people kind of chomping at the bit to help with, with this stuff or are they, are you, are, do you need to really get that word out more? What's, how's that program working? Yeah, so I think it's a it's a both and. I, I would say that yes, there are people chopping at the bit, and we need to do a better job of, of getting the, the, the word out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in terms of the the big lift initiative, it was interesting. You know, past uh, you know eighteen months have been challenging, and so you know you know the idea of doing a, a you know big event where four hundred mm-hmm. people gather together uh, wasn't really an option for us. A, a, you know, a year ago. And, you know, uh, as things have opened up a little bit, we were able to this past August, uh, you know, do a smaller event with a few hundred folks. And the hope is that, um, you know, when we do this again um, in, in the spring, that we'll, you know, we'll have a thousand folks out there. So we, you know, we we are not at a thousand people yet so mm-hmm. in your room. So if there's anybody out there that want to sign up, uh, that is chopping at the bit. We will have that opportunity for you to do that. 
um, you know, in, in, in the spring. Uh, in terms of other um, smaller initiatives that, that we engage in, um, where folks come out and speak and that type of thing, um, we, we, we typically have a pretty decent list, but we are always still looking to keep that list full so that when we, um, you know, we say we have a class and the class is focused on, you know, the high tech industry, you know, it'd be nice to be able to, to, to reach out to seven or eight folks with the hopes that three or four would be available to come to that class, for instance. And right. so we're always looking to keep that list, that list full. And it's not completely full now. We do have people on the list, but it's not full yet. So the opportunities are there. That's great. Did, it sounds like you, you're doing a really good job of creating hybrid event opportunities as well for during the, this pandemic um, that has been going now, I think, when, when this drops for almost two years. Um, so that, that's really great. How have you, what are some of the, the tricks that you've employed in, in terms of creating you know, kind of hybrid events that, that work well for, for your organization? Yeah. So um, for us, you know, we had, um, you know, I mentioned the, the vision event we had and then we had a, a gala that we did a little bit over a year ago. And those events were normally full on in-person events with several hundred folks together mm-hmm. uh, well, with, 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 with uh, you know, issues around COVID. We had to go remote and then in this last one, we had to go, um, um, you know, kind of a hybrid. And, and what we did is we, we established a series of watch parties Okay. So we when we sent the event out. We you know pre-recorded a large portion of the event and sent that out. And and I just encourage folks to have watch parties uh, with with smaller groups of folks that they they felt um, comfortable watching um, the event with. Um, the other thing in terms of engaging um, you know outside support or or, or um, you know people to come in and help our students directly, definitely leveraging Zoom. Um, to, to do those types of things where they, you know, they can still speak to the class, but they can do that, um, you know, over Zoom. Um, right. One of the things we did with our advanced leadership class, we actually worked with a local company. And uh, typically what we do is take our students to the company to do an in-person site visit. But right. of course, with COVID, we ended up doing all of those visits um, through Zoom. Uh, we also hosted virtual site visits for folks because uh, a lot of times we'll have people that want to come and see how we do what we do. And so we'll typically bring them into a, uh, you know, a high school or middle school and give them a chance to meet some of the students, talk to some of the administrators, um, our students with staff in action. Well, throughout COVID, what we, we had to pivot to was uh, just a lot, giving them a code access to one of our classes and they, right. and they got a chance to sit there and, you know, listen in, but also got a chance to, to participate and in, in, in chime in and provide some insight and some input um, over over the Zoom call, um, so so again, just so leveraging technology to, to to stay connected is basically what we've 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 tried to do. Yeah, it's great. I love the watch party idea. I had a gentleman on the show uh, not too long ago. His name is Dave Jensen, and he has a a group uh, or a, a business called Encompass Event Group, and they put on um, events, you know, both live events as well as as completely virtual events. And one of the one of the recommendations that he had was to to create those kind of hub opportunities mm-hmm. um, where you have you have these watch parties going on kind of outside of the main hub um, yeah. and you're able to go to those remote areas in some sort of capacity to kind of 
create um, an additional level of of enthusiasm and buzz uh, during the event that that yeah. uh, that allows you to break the event up a little bit. So it's not just you know some guy uh, talking to his his uh, his camera on Zoom for for an hour and a half. Right. Um, but but it, it enables you to to create some segmentation and and um, and get you know get some energy uh injected into that event as you kind of move around those those uh those spokes i guess of the of of the event so that's really cool that you've figured that out and and we're able to to leverage that opportunity uh with with your event planning that's that's fantastic stuff yeah that was it's you know again we 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 learn a lot from having to do those types of things and you know i i imagine that even when we can Know, go back to the more traditional big groups of folks. There's some some elements uh, of what you're talking about that we would still want to want to maintain. Yeah, uh, and that's one of the the things I think that's been for us um, really um, neat to see. You know, I, I always say that you know we're going to emerge from this pandemic stronger and better as an organization. I believe that you know we will be more innovative. I think we'll be more intentional. Um, with what we do. And, and I also think we'll be more connected um, mm-hmm. with not just um, our, you know, our, our students and, and with each other, but also with our partners and, and with our customers trying to figure out, okay, what do you really, really want? What do you really, really need? We used to just do this, but now it's forced us to go back and say, okay, well, what do you really need from this? Because we can't yeah. just do the same thing we did before. We got to do something different, but how do we still make sure we meet the intent and, and meet your intent? So we've actually had to go back and ask those questions um, because of the, the pandemic in ways that we may have just made some assumptions in the past. And so it's right. been a, a great growth opportunity for us. Yeah, I agree. I think there's positives that can come out of out of everything, and certainly this has been uh, an interesting couple of years. Um, and I, I wouldn't want to minimize the uh, you know the, the negative effect that that all of this has had on on you know society in general. However, I, I, I like the idea and the intention to to try to try to see through. Um, you know, as much as one can see through the the challenges and and really look for opportunities, and it sounds like that's what you guys are doing doing over there at Colorado Uplift. Yeah, no, and really trying to do that. And you know, you remind me when you say see through. It was a, uh, I think it's a, a Bill George talks about this idea of just just vision uh, and and how it really involves that kind of seeing through the fog and friction of things, and still being able to see, you know kind of like the bright side on the other side. And so as you were mm-hmm. saying that, that reminded me of that. And I, I believe that's a perspective that, you know, organizations, um, if you truly are going to kind of not just survive, but ultimately thrive, you know, being able to see through, um, you know, the challenges and see through the right. fog and see through the friction of things uh, and still maintain that, that focus on, um, you know, ultimately, you know, what, what your goals, your, your values and your, your broader vision is uh, again, not easy to do, but something that I think we all should strive to do. And I'm sure those are part of the things that you're teaching all of the, all the great kids that you get to work with uh, on a, on a daily basis. Well, Stu, it's funny you say that too, because I do think, uh, it's, you know, it, it's almost another level of accountability for us, right? Because I, I think sometimes, you know, we tell our kids, you know, you got these challenging conditions and, you know, in, in our life, you know, COVID aside, Pandemic aside, some of the challenges that our students deal with are, it, it just, it's amazing to me. I, I just, yeah. the, the fact that they 
actually are able to make it to school and function through a day, knowing some of the things that they're dealing with, it, it blows my mind. And so we're telling them, hey, you know, you can work through this and you can still see possibilities and you can still, we're telling them that in class, well, we, we better make sure that we're, we're practicing what we're, we're preaching on, on this end. So it is an extra level of accountability to say, you know what? Yes, we have some challenges. Yes, there are some conditions that we're, we don't care for. But what new context of possibility can we create from this? And so right. that is the attitude we've tried to adopt as an organization to mirror <laughs> and to be consistent with the exact same lessons, like you said, we're trying to teach our students. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. How can people find out more about how to get involved and, and you know, just more about what you guys are up to? Yeah, I, um, I would say go to Colorado Uplift, all one word, dot org. And um, if you go there, uh, you'll, you'll see uh, a lot about our programs. You'll see some more about our vision. Uh, and as I said before, you know, we're ultimately about transforming lives and transforming communities. And we just hope that, uh, you know, that's something that one of the listeners or several of the lift listeners uh, will be um, compelled to, to engage in. And so, yeah, they can just go and, and, and reach out um, through through that. And, you know, personally, uh, you can reach out to me <laughs> as well. Uh, you can give me a direct call if you have uh, uh, a question. And again, you can find all our contact information there on, on the website. Oh, that's great, Joe. I really appreciate you being on the show today. And and I've had such a great time chatting with you about Colorado Uplift and all the great stuff that you're up to and and uh, what's, what's ahead for you guys. Um, as you may know, I love having these, these conversations, but I also want to inspire action with people. And um, if, if somebody were, were able to take some kind of an action to help uh, the world, help make the world a better place, help bring some joy into a kid's life, help, help move the needle for, for some of these, some of the, some other people here on earth, what, what do you think would be one thing that you would like for them to do after listening to the show? Yeah, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, this idea of elevating um, compassion and, and character. You know, I, I would just say if people would take the time to actually listen, I truly, truly listen. And I know it sounds like a simple thing to do, and, but to truly listen to someone or somebody that's outside of their, their current sphere of influence or their current communities Take an intentional effort, or make an intentional effort to listen to them. I think that could make a difference and could impact the level of compassion that that we have for each other. Well, I think that is a, an amazing uh, action item that everyone should have on their list is to just just give give people the space to uh, to be heard and and yes. you know you might not agree with them completely, but at least get get some understanding of where they're coming from. That's right. Outside That's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Joe. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Stu. Appreciate you and appreciate all the great insight as well. Oh, it's entirely my pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care now. Bye. And there you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks again for listening. You can find past episodes of the show at relishthis.org. And remember, if you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on purpose marketing, grab your free copy of my book, Mission Uncomfortable, How Nonprofits Can Embrace Purpose-Driven Marketing to Survive and Thrive. Get your copy now at missionuncomfortablebook.com. 
Thanks again for listening. Come back next week, won't you?